Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to Safeguarding Wealth. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction. Righteousness. Ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher. Soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And today is April 19th, Tuesday in the year 2022. And the world has not become any saner since the last show, which was this afternoon and the one before that and the one before that. It just continues to get a little bit more crazy. But what you can be assured of is the left is getting more triggered and having more desperate feelings that their feelings are getting hurt. Tears from Pisaki, tears from Washington Post, Washington Post journalists, all of them worried about the fact that their, their little grooming process of raising kids up to be like them is now getting crushed. So there is some bright news in all of that to know that the liberals are getting squeezed. But in the same time, the world as we know it, the world of men is collapsing. And women, you aren't excluded in that. That's just a general catch-all, just so you know. We're all in this together. But in the end of the day, this is going to be quite a shake-up, and we're going to have to face things in an entirely different way. And we're going to get into a lot of that from a different angles tonight as we talk about wealth and where we currently sit. Before we begin tonight, make sure you're getting good sleep. Sleep is essential, and what we have here in this war that we're in is a war for the mind and a war for your soul. Part of getting you off base is to wear you down emotionally, physically, the whole thing. People are having a hard time these days coping. So there's essentially at the core of that is sleep. You have to have good sleep and good rest to keep your mind clear. So to get that, head on over to MyPillow.com and check out some of their great products for great sleep. Those include the, the Giza sheets, the Giza cotton sheets, and the, the MyPillow Classic, along with many other products to include mattress toppers, mattresses, and even a Giza cotton pillow. All of those products that you get there are of ex- absolutely high quality, some of the best prices you can find on, on the web, or actually on the, in any market for that matter, direct to consumer, led by one of America's great CEOs, the company, Mike Lindell. So head on over to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. That's our Bards landing page. And you'll see some of the latest sales right there. And with that, you can take advantage of those sales by using your Bards promo code, Bards, B-A-R-D-S. And that applies to anywhere on the MyPillow site, the Frank Speech site, and the MyStore site. Tremendous savings, tremendous quality products, products that truly make a difference in the quality of life. Sleep is essential. So again, check out MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. Use your promo code Bards to take advantage of these great savings. 60% off on the Giza sheets. MyPillows are down as low as nineteen 50% off on men's and women's sleepwear. Many, many more savings. And if you feel like talking to a Patriot Pillow counselor, you can call 800-975-2939, 800-975-2939, and use your promo code Bards. So we're really what we're witnessing here right now is pretty much the end of Western civilization as we consider it. 
what was at one point the kind of the pinnacle, at least in the propaganda terms of civilization with greatness of liberty and the greatness of sovereignty and the principles of God and the, and the structures of, of country. What we have witnessed here is a complete collapse, which unfortunately goes right back to Ben Franklin's famous words. You now, now you have a Republic. Good luck keeping it. So much of that problem rests with people and with the desire to have life easier Convenience is the destruction of humanity at the very core of this. With all of this comes always the way, and with this is the concepts of wealth. And so tonight I'm going to talk about wealth from some different angles. I'm going to be blunt about wealth and what wealth, the way that wealth accumulation happens. So I say this up front because I'm sure somebody's going to get their feathers in a tussle. It's not intended to be like this, but if we're going to be honest about what wealth is and how we're going to preserve wealth, we've got to get to some hard facts about how wealth is actually earned. And in order to appreciate that is to understand some of what the traps are that people are in. President Trump pushed very hard to have everybody pushed to expand your 401ks, grow the wealth of your 401ks. But here's the big trap of 401ks. That money doesn't come out early without severe penalty unless you're 59 or and a half or above. And the restrictions on 401ks are severe in the investment side. Now, I have to start this out very clearly because I am not a, an investment advisor, nor am I a doctor, nor do I wear a white coat and all this other garbage. So if you're making decisions tonight on what is said, do not make any decisions on what is shared here tonight unless you are doing your own research. These are my opinions all the way through. That said, let's continue. The issue we have at hand in wealth is how wealth itself is generated. And much of this comes from a concept that we are, our retirement accounts were either one put in a principle of a pension, which was some sort of a kickback off of your, off of the wage and profit of the company, depending on where you were. If it was a pension of a company, company was setting aside money for you. If it was a government, it was coming from taxpayers' money. If it's a 401k, it's an investment. An investment in this in our culture has become so accepted and, and to challenge the idea of investment being an evil, I'm, and I'm doing it right now, is pretty much on par with for many of taking and saying that the Bible is, is a, you know, must be burned. The, the problem we have with investment is how the system is rigged and why this is going to be a very big and a telling point for humanity. When we're talking about rigging and invest in the way the investment is rigged, profits are made on the back of employees. So if you've gained a tremendous amount of money in your 401k, you've gained it at the expense of somebody else. Let me explain. When a company has shareholders, those shareholders are expecting a certain return on their investment. The only way that investment can be, it can be, gained, that return on investment can be gained, is that there has to be an increase in profits, which means that wages have to, at certain points, be kept lower than they should be, and company bonuses have to be restricted so that the shareholders get their proper share. That means that the work that's being done by the employees is they're not working for themselves as as much as they are working for the stockholders and investors. And so the stockholders and investors are essentially making money off of 
nothing, no labor, just by offering capital to invest in. And then that, that gain becomes theirs to live off of. It's an extractive concept and it's a parasitic concept that the entire system is built upon. This creates tremendous amount of problems of stability, especially in this time when people now are very worried about the, the situation of the dollar, worried about how to preserve their income. And so we get to the place of what's happening ultimately to the economy. A lot of the issues of this current economy is it is being engineered to collapse on one level. And on the other level, it was destined to collapse because the entire concept of money was built on a paperback currency that has no founding behind it. The Federal Reserve note, as we currently have, has no monetary value other than what they tell you it's worth. And most of that value is based on an emotion. That means our trust in the dollar. But as things are happening and unfolding here, the global trust for the dollar is continuing to fall and falling rapidly. And so people are beginning to look at other places where the dollar is a good reserve and good, another options for dollars to hold their wealth. Some of that wealth that people are putting their money into is obviously current cryptocurrencies. And there is a big push, obviously, for people to jam their money into something like Bitcoin. And this has been the big push. This is where we have to get into the concept of wealth again. I get into these debates regularly with people that are crypto miners. And in their principle of wealth, they see that wealth is just a energy that's put into something to extract the wealth. Bitcoin is one of these things, like all cryptocurrencies, that the energy you put in has to do with the energy, literally the energy, electricity that's driving the computers that crack the algorithms that ultimately give you the new coins. For a crypto miner, they don't see that any different than human labor, other than the fact that the human's not doing the labor and the machine is doing it for you. This is a, it's a paradigm shift to understand this. Personally, I think it's a bunch of garbage because you can't create wealth, something out of nothing. But that's how they see it, and they don't see it something out of nothing. They see it as they're paying the electric bill, literally, and with, it, with the return of that, they get so many coins back for their mining. Now, I am, I am not a crypto guy, and I'm still telling you this up front. I don't believe in, in crypto other than to use it as an exchange medium to buy things. The problem with crypto is that crypto has not been a currency to use. It's been a, an investment vehicle. Very important to understand. If you do your research on cryptos, you will find that there's, even though they're lightly being used in exchange, their principal motive for existing isn't about exchange to buy things or exchange of commerce It is or, or goods and services. It's to create wealth out of nothing. It's an investment vehicle. It's no different than a stock. So we haven't seen a transition yet to using something like a Bitcoin for true commerce. And there's some limitations to what that can handle, even though people will tell you there's not. As this coin, this concept of Bitcoin is now, it approaches its maximum number of coins that it will have in the near, in the not too distant future. That's going to cause massive surges in wealth, and that creates a measure of instability in, in the currency idea of how you are going to create exchange when you have a constantly fluctuating coin. It ends up being more irrational than the dollar in terms of fluctuation. It also doesn't have a solid backing behind it. 
this is another area that I stay, the reason I stay away from cryptos because cryptos themselves are just digits. You can store cryptos offline. You can keep it away from having them held within a digital cloud. Nonetheless, it is still a digital idea concept that doesn't free you from, from control of a digital system. It wraps you into it. So again, we get back to what is wealth? Right now, we're facing a real crisis, and what we are, this crisis is food is the primary and energy is the second. And these are issues that are being engineered by a very seditious and evil cabal that wants control over our lives. There is a lot of pushback on the concept from them on the concept of Bitcoin, it appears, but always keep in mind that these people are trying to control global commerce. And most of what we are talking about when we talk to crypto, when we talk about dollars, it's all based on a global commerce exchange. And that then is what does a person need for wealth? So there's going to be a lot of different angles I'm taking on this. So just bear with me tonight because there isn't a single answer of how you're going to preserve your wealth when you're coming into this new era. And it really depends on the path that each person wants to take. If a person wants to take a path of wealth accumulation, which is going to, it's end, going to end up taking you in the traditional sense of a wealth accumulation, which is some form of money, you're going to be taking the same path that everyone else is being shuttled into, which is going to be some form of this new meta 5G quantum space. That's unavoidable. If you're looking at preserving wealth to help build into something new, trying to have some tangible, something tangible, then we have to start looking at wealth differently. In this old model, wealth buys everything we need. We simply work a job to accumulate wealth, and everything we do around our lives is geared towards accumulating more of some form of coin. In the alternate way that we're doing things is wealth takes on a much broader application, and it takes on a much more dimensional application towards what is real. That's the world I walk in. So right now, we'll center back to this question, of which I get very often. What do I do about my 401ks? The 401ks restrictions are massive. They're not easy to overcome because there's a lot of restrictions on how you deal with the money because the deal with a 401k or whatever form that's taken, IRA, it depends on the actual fund and if it'll allow you to take a withdrawal early or not, even if you take it under severe penalty. Most of the time, most 401ks will allow you to take those out unless you're within a company shared program, which has divestment and ability to it, which means your money is held up until there's a certain point in time when the company will release it. Part of that is a bargain that they do so that they can limit their risk if, a com if an employee leaves or, furthermore, limit their risk on their whole capital outlay until a, company, a person retires. Remember that many of these funds are held by common fund holders. Our two biggest owners of the, of the funds are BlackRock and Vanguard. And many of the company's funds are held in one of those larger holdings, maybe a, a subordinate company, but nonetheless, they're held there. So when they're shuttling money, for example, I'm going to move my 401k from this company to that company, 
it's it's literally like bank magic. They're just they're just sliding a ledger from one side to the other. The money doesn't have to actually exist. It just exists on paper. The real trick to preserving a 401k if you're going to reserve it in true form is to to be able to place the 401k money into something that is a solid asset. Meaning you're transitioning not to a certificate account of gold, silver, or precious metals, but you're actually placing it into the purchase of precious metals that is then held in a reserve account under your name with actual, with a steward. It costs you a management fee every year. And that money is tied directly to gold, silver, platinum, whatever precious metal you choose. That, to me, is the wisest thing if a person's going to simply want to transfer their 401k over to wealth. But the thing to understand is that that's not considered a growth area. That's considered a preservation issue for money. The, the irony is that when you go back over the last 20 years, gold and silver have outperformed most stocks over the steady growth of things. But nonetheless, we have to be considerate of the fact that you're not placing money into an investment fund to grow, you're placing money there to keep your wealth stable. That's the idea of precious metals. And there's risk with everything. That's something to to keep in mind. But in the bigger picture of wealth, where we're going into right now is a bigger crisis. We're dealing with a whole transition and transformation of how we see wealth. What What does wealth look like when you can't buy food? What does wealth look like when fuel becomes scarce? What does wealth look like when you have to rely on starting to raise your own food at home? What, what does that whole picture and concept of wealth changes? What do you exchange with people when these things become scarce? Money's harder to get by. Inflation is out of control. What are you using to purchase? Wealth can dissipate very quickly in the traditional sense unless you preserve it in a more solid sense. So what would that look like? One of the most critical aspects of wealth is being able to eat, obviously. So wealth can take the form of seeds. Wealth can take the form of tools that you can have in terms of doing, building a garden, in terms of maintaining skills that are far beyond just reliance on on generating wealth at a job. Wealth Wealth can take the form of land. All of these things we're talking about, though, are tangibles. Wealth can be cattle. Wealth can be chickens. Wealth can be pigs. In fact, and we go back to traditional societies, a wealthy person would count their wealth in the head, the head of the animal, the number of head of animal that they had. So we're going to have to start looking at wealth, in my opinion, differently, because wealth has to be first and foremost how you yourself is going are going to be maintained. When you get back to the 401k issue, which seems to come up regularly of what to do with the money and how to preserve it, I think the question that everybody is really asking is, is the system going to sustain itself and how do I offset the collapse of the system? And the fact is, I don't know that we can. The Western society, as we know it, has lost its mind. We are into a progressive mentality with so many people that are literally off the edge. And the corruption when we start looking at these things to realize how deep this goes isn't just limited to a principle of how much money is in our bank account or how much money is in our 401k. 
as a consequence of this system. It's a, we're dealing with a system itself is, that is literally falling apart. Let me just play this short. This is nine seconds. Listen to this perspective, and I'm going to build on it. This is unbelievable. One time I was at a restaurant in Portland, Oregon, and they, the menu had grass-fed salmon. Just let that sink in a minute. <laughs> this is the world we live in. Grass-fed salmon. Okay. Um, we are hit the point where irrational has become normal and idiocy has become standardized and mainstreamed. And it's not even questioned. It's just there, and people look at it and say, that's okay. So again, I come back to a question that everyone should be asking is, what does wealth look like when you literally are living in an insane asylum? Consider, for example, just what's going on in Shanghai for a second. After two years of COVID, one of the most bizarre scenes to take place just happened in Shanghai. People screaming while they're locked inside of their high-rise towers in Shanghai. Why? Because of a new outbreak of COVID that the Chinese government says they are trying to crack down on. 25 million people have been on severe lockdown over the past 17 days. In fact, a warning from the Chinese government saying that those who violate the provisions of this lockdown notice will be dealt with in strict accordance with the law. But other videos continue to emerge of healthcare workers in that city, Shanghai, actually killing the pets of people who have been diagnosed with COVID. A Shanghai Neighborhood Committee's COVID-19 prevention guard in a hazmat suit used a shovel to kill an underage corgi puppy because its owner was diagnosed with COVID-19. How long before U.S. politicians begin using that phrase and the media begin using the phrase zero COVID here in the United States? It must be resisted at every turn because zero COVID does not exist. So this is a, I bring this clip up because this deals directly with wealth. We have Chinese government officials tearing up gardens in people's backyards because apparently it's uh, out, plants are now carriers of COVID. We have them killing small dogs, probably because they need the food, is my guess. So they're probably turning the small dogs into like little bacon and sausages. But the fact of the matter is, is that once you get to a crisis like this in Shanghai, wealth doesn't the concept of wealth ceases to exist in the modern terms. There was a video yesterday of a woman, African-American woman, who was at a store that had walked out with a cart full of meat in front of everybody, walked up to her white Cadillac, threw up in the trunk, and just loaded it in as people were filming her and drove away. It's another indication of the bankruptcy of the respect for wealth because people don't care. They just want for themselves. They're panicking. They don't have money. They're going to take whatever they can. Those are some pretty important issues. So you have, on one hand, you have Shanghai, which the government has, has massive overreach. And then on the other hand, you have people, which are going to, in the high-density areas, if they don't have things, they're going to seek to just take and steal because that's how people are. So now let's go to wealth. Your property and your home are, are what you have right before you. One of the most important principles is to secure a home and a place that you have so that you are not going to have, you can have some protection with your surroundings. That means that your home has to be strong in everything you need. And, and, and everybody at a certain point or in time always has to have some sort of bug out just because you never know if there's going to be a fire or there's going to be some crazy stuff going on. 
But food is going to be the number one issue. And protection of your domain, domain is going to be a number one issue. This is going to end up in this, in this little scenario. It sounds a whole lot like prepping because you're looking at food and ammo, right? But the truth is that that is a principle of wealth when a society begins to collapse. It's what you need to preserve and protect your domain. It's what you need to hunt with. That's your ammo and your guns and your whatever you have. And then on the other side, wealth is the food you have to live off of. But you need more than that because you're going to have to have sustainment. I've had people ask me, like, should they take, and again, I am not an investment counselor, so I'm to be, and I'm not an investment advisor, so to be very clear about this, but people have asked me, should I take a loan on my 401k? These are personal issues that you need some advanced, you have to have somebody advise you on this, but I will tell you that if it was me and I was looking at my 401k, I would be taking that money out of my 401k in whatever form I need to, to try to get it buried into something that was tangible. And I would try to find any avenue I could to get it out of the holdings of this digital or ethereal realm where money is where it's supposed to be. I'd be putting things into tangible assets right now. And what I consider to be wealth, again, seeds, land, tools, guns and ammo, ability to hunt. That might be a bow and, and something to fish with, a vehicle that's paid off. If you can have animals, I'd be doing that. I'd be getting residual supplies to know that I could tools to work on things beyond beyond just tools to do a job, but tools like to work on my own vehicle. I'd be looking at things that I could, I would look at raw materials, things I might need like plastic for greenhouses or metal for frames. And I'd be stockpiling as much as I could within reason because I'm not going to become a junkyard. But I would be doing these things to prepare in such a way that I could continue and I would be able to continue even without the form of gasoline or electricity. That, to me, creates a very solid format for for securing and maintaining wealth. But again, we have to lose the paradigm of what wealth looks like. Now, within all of that, I would also keep, if this was me, I would be keeping a store of precious metals, probably silver over gold. Gold's good, and it's, but it's silver's easier to transact, and silver has the highest gap of, of growth because silver is the most repressed of all the precious metals. And there's a good possibility that as things, if there is a rebound to, towards a more traditional style of currency exchange, silver is going to be the easiest exchange. Silver is also going to be most accepted by people. When you walk in with a single gold coin, it's not going to be as easy to exchange that it is as it's going to be to exchange silver. And if I was doing silver, I would have a mix of silver. I would have a mix of silver that would go from something like American silver, one ounce silver eagles that have a true stamp from the, from the uh, mint that have an actual value. I might include some silver Krugerrands, which don't have an actual value, but they have a, 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 uh, a respected name on them. I might include some Canadian gold maple leaves and I'd probably throw in some junk silver, which is traditional coinage, which has about 90% silver rate in there so that it's easy coins to exchange. Because in the the expectation of all of this, when you're holding something like this is you're trying to retain the value of your, of your, what, of some of your money some of the wealth that you have, you're transitioning into usable, tangible aspects. But the other part of your money, you're trying to retain its value, but also being able to use it if you have to. That's really critical. 
depending on how far this slides. And that's really the question nobody can answer. And that's why ultimately this gets to be, when we get back to like 401k holdings, I would not want to have all my 401k tied up at all. Because right now I'd be looking at a shorter term model of how am I going to hedge against a loss of access to food? How am I going to hedge against a, a loss of of access to anything for that matter, as this system is resetting. Keep in mind that on a global scale, like right now in Shanghai alone, most of the industrial activity has come to just a snail's pace, if not stopped altogether. There is a massive war going on here in an economic level, and part of this great reset that we're dealing with in whatever form it's taking is taking on a multipolar world format. And what that means is in a multipolar world, you're having Russia and China that are aligning into a BRICS concept. You have a North American trade union, which has not been formulated yet, but that's what President Trump laid down the groundwork for when he redid NAFTA, which would be a North and South trade union. You have a lot of these alignments. You have another issue with Africa starting to align into its own trade union. These are multipolar world concepts, European Union and doing its own thing, however it comes out, and everybody's pulling away from one another. They're decoupling on the global interdependence that we had before. The ones that are going to win on this, obviously, or at least hedging the bets to win, are those of the global elites, because every move that they make, there's a way they're going to make money out of. We're at the bottom of this pit, and we have to start looking at ourselves of how we're going to survive through this whole thing. That's where we get back to the principle of wealth. The the elite are looking at how they can accumulate wealth in terms of bank accounts, buying up property, buying up silver and gold. We have to start looking at wealth from a fundamental point of view of how are we going to persevere? How are we going to grow our, our physical health? How are we going to maintain our households? And how are we going to build our communities? And that type of look at wealth doesn't mean that you're just stacking up silver and gold in a safe. It means that you're actually acquiring mechanisms that you can start to fabricate things, start to build things, start to start new businesses and innovation. That might mean buying a welder, for example, or that might mean buying hand tools to start a wood shop. It might mean buying hand tools to make sure that you can garden and to even process your own food. It might be setting up a processing place so you can process meat however this is going, but these get to be very fundamental. Hence the issue that I've talked about for so long, which is going back to go forward. There's two perspectives on wealth and each individual is going to have to decide what avenue they want to take. One wealth model, like I said, is going to be driving towards competing to gain more in your monetary funds. And that means you're going to have to play deep in their system. There's no other way around that. That means you're going to have to accept Internet 3.0. That means you're going to have to accept traditional banking. That means you're going to have to accept the sort of wealth extraction models that are currently there and the ex- the wealth exploitative models that are currently in place. And you're going to have to accept some form of a digital currency. All that's part of building mass numbers in your bank account or your retirement account. That other side, that breakaway piece, is going to be much more tangible and fundamental. That breakaway economy is going to look at things in terms of wealth, again, as terms of what skills do you have. Here's another great investment if you're looking at things to, to sink in for future investment. It's books, not digital books, but physical books to build a library or getting ham radios and getting ham radios certified so you have a way to communicate, at least for now. So, 
And that's another, just a footnote. Somebody made some comment the other day that say, like, ham radios won't work in times of crisis. Yes, they will. It depends on your licensing level, by the way. So each person should be seeking to get a general license in ham, by the way. A total sidebar, but worth mentioning. Everything about wealth needs to be, in this other model, needs to be something towards building skills and building out capacity. And that means you're, people are working together and having the tools and the resources and a community level. And that's what the real, when you really get to the heart of what real prepping is about, is it's not about me. It's about me taking on what, what I need, but having enough excess that I can help build and feed a community, that I can help grow a community. That my, my part of, is contributing to the development of community. That's, to me, real wealth. So when you're we're looking at wealth accumulation and say a four, 401k, that's where I come back to. If I was sitting with, with a ton of money in a 401k, I'd be finding every way I could to get that money out, even with some penalty or risk of penalty, to try to get it into something that's going to be tangible as we move forward. There is no easy path here in making the decisions on wealth. It, like I say, it's coming down to how each person sees their path ahead. Some people are excited about this new economic opportunity. They see it as a huge opportunity to jump in ahead of things, get ahead of the digital currency, start generating their knowledge in that in the crypto and so forth. Other people are seeing that there's we're going to have to have crypto. Catherine Austin Fitz is one because we're going to have to have our own unique cryptos and they're going to have to change a lot in order to stay ahead of this global banking construction. All of those crypto models, though, rely on an infrastructure which they own. We don't own it. When we get down to the fundamentals of living and surviving between each other, that can take on very many different forms of types of exchange. Another big question people ask me regularly about this is, well, what about my mortgage? And I don't have an answer that's easy for this one. How that's going to be paid, how you're going to have to deal with that, I don't know. My answer anymore, which is not something that people want to hear, but it kind of goes like this, downsize, which means as much as you can downsize and get yourself out of debt right now because that's going to be one of the biggest hooks and traps you have. The principal issues that we have to seek is we have to seek to reclaim the control of the lands that we have. It means getting them released from the banking cartel, and that means then working towards establishing as much as we can sovereign models for every plot of land that is out there that we control and have. That means things like going through a process of trying to apply for a land patent, which is the true title on the land. It means setting up your, your, your potentially setting up your land as a 508. This is something new I've been researching, which is to, re, to establish your home or your land as a church, which means it's untaxable but it's a constitutional church under the 508 rules of the IRS. It means you have to look at setting up a PMA, which is a private membership association, which means that you're, you're in anybody that comes on your land has to be agreed to those rules. And those rules are structured around the constitution. These are the sorts of innovative things we have to do to break away from the system. But all of this at a certain point or another is going to require significant adjustments to how we live our lives. And it's going to require a different approach to how we relate with one another. 
Wealth as we know it these days is all based on individual extraction and beneficial gain for ourselves. Everything we do is about us, me. In this new model, it's going to have to be much more geared towards helping and building and fostering communities, especially raising up the youth. But we can't deny anymore that we're at bifurcation, the splitting of the two worlds. It's very interesting to note that in an article that came out in uh, Bitcoin Magazine, and I, I just find this notable, that this article was titled, and it posted on Zero Hedge, but it was titled Slave Coin or Freedom Coin, Which Way Western Men? Question mark. In the breakdown of the, of the world, they actually have a subtitle within this article about the bifurcation of the world. So there is an accepted piece now that we have arrived at bifurcation, that we have literally arrived at such a point that we are divided and we are not going to be coming back easily, if at all. And that principle right there, if I was looking at going back to some principal retirement funds, is I would be looking purely at a system of what side of that world am I going to walk on? That would be the question I would ask. And if I could answer that question and the intent of where I wanted to go, that would answer to me how I wanted to use the wealth that I had. It would answer to me how, if I was trying to preserve, how I would want to preserve that wealth. And I would also have to look at the simple facts of what risks I was willing to take in terms of even whether I'm concerned about the payback penalties or anything like that that goes with the 401k in particular. Again, not easy times for us to deal with, but there's a lot in this that we're going to have to continue to churn and look at in order, and each person's going to have to do the best they can and the sharing of knowledge is the best we have. But tangible assets right now to me are the pure sense of wealth. That is that is such an important component of what's going to make a difference in the future. This model is something I've, I've struggled with in terms of real wealth and societal shift for many, many years. There, and it's con- a continued pursuit of what is going to be the best and the sustainable model in a form of massive societal shift and transformation. I don't think any of us can deny the fact we are at a point of massive societal shift and transformation. I think that we can see very clearly the direction which one side of the world wants to go. I want you to hear this one minute painful, trust me, it's painful, one minute and 52 second piece by Pisaki and listen to how she looks at the world. I'm going to tell you, I honestly think she's sincere here, but this is you're getting into the head of somebody that's of a leftist. What I will say is the political games and harsh and cruel attempts at laws or laws that we're seeing in some states like Florida, that is not a reflection of the country moving to oppose LGBTQ plus communities. That is not what we see in data. That is not factual. Uh, and that is not where things stand. This is a political wedge issue and an attempt to win a culture war. And they're doing that in a way that is harsh and cruel uh, to a community of kids, especially, I'm, I'm like going to get, emo- uh, I'm going to get emotional about this issue because I just, it's horrible, but uh, 
But, you know, it's it's like kids who are bullied and this is like all these leaders are, are taking steps to hurt them and hurt their lives and hurt their families. And you look at some of these laws in these states and it is going after parents who are in loving relationships who have kids. It's completely outrageous. Sorry. I, and this, this is an issue that makes me completely crazy, but it is an issue that is a political wedge issue. It is not a reflection of where the country is. And what people should understand is what we're talking about here in Florida, for example, okay, I'm going to pull my stuff together now, is that, you know, families, if you have a kid in a classroom and I have a kindergartner, right? I can imagine her saying, you know, my friend has two moms. My friend has two dads. And the teacher in, in her classroom, I would hope, would say, that's wonderful. They're loving parents and you have a mom and a dad. This is penalizing teachers and educators. I mean, it is, it, there are so many layers of this that are outrageous. And I hope people continue to educate themselves on this because it is a bad side of politics is what I will say. And I will not cry again during this interview. I promise you. You are human. This is an issue that makes me very crazy. And this is what it is when people care. No, when it's when care it isn't. That. It's not. It's when someone's a lizard head and they're not human. And it's when... Pisaki is trying to promote groomers. That's but that's the whole culture. And all the culture sees that grooming kids isn't okay because it's okay for the state to intercede on parents' behalf. Because they themselves are groomers, they don't see any problem with it. So my point of all of this of sharing that piece at the end here is we have two worlds before us. The bifurcation is here. That's one path. And if you go the path of wanting to be part of this investment world and so forth, that's where you're going to end up. If you go to the path where we're going to want to seek sovereignty, it's going to be a complete break. And with the break, isn't just the principle of how we change our banking. It's how we change everything in terms of wealth and value. Now, in the last point here, because I know people ask me, it's to direct people at a place that I would recommend for dealing with precious metals and dealing with 401ks. I'm going to give you who I use. And that's for right now, the one of the com- I, there's a couple of companies, but this is the one I use most regularly, and I'm going to give you this, and it's my opinion, and you'll have to do your own research. It's Apmex, A-P-M-E-X dot com, Apmex, A-P-M-E-X dot com. They've been very consistent with the purchase of precious metals, and they're very responsive, easy to deal with. So that would be uh, someone I would recommend to follow if, or to dig into if you were interested. So, all of this said, there's a, this creates always a lot of anxiety in people. It's one of the reasons I'm careful how we can approach these topics. It gets people concerned about if they're going to have enough money, if they're in an apartment, what's going to happen to them. Here's the answer that comes down to this ultimately. If you're going to worry about those things in the traditional sense, you're walking in the wrong path. The path that you are heading in when you start to worry about the anxieties of what's going to happen to me, how how am I going to stay in my apartment, what's going to happen if I lose my income, et cetera, et cetera, you have to take a step back and realize that that's all formulated by a, a codependency model built out of a system that was intending to enslave you. This other path, when I talk about going forward, is another path that does put God center, but it also puts community center. We are trying to build a world where we are trying to raise each other up. And I'm not being naive about this. And it's not going to be easy. And it's not going to be like everybody's suddenly going to be like all these trailer houses stacked up in, in, in on one little square lot or something. But we are going to have to work together. And part of that is 
that we have to communicate with one another. You have to be honest with your communication to the community. And the community, as I have already witnessed over this last couple of years, people come together and help one another in amazing ways. That's part of how God works. So don't have anxiety. That's why it's easy to say. But my words are don't have anxiety. Breathe in. Trust in God a lot, but take a look re- objectively on where you where you want to go. That's the biggest thing because I'll tell you, honestly, a lot of what we're faced with is a decision that you have to make in your heart. And that decision that you make in your heart right now, which will drive everything on how you manage everything, is literally telling God where you want to go. And from there, it gets it stays challenging, but there's a lot of pressure that's taken off of that. This is a daily thing. I have lived literally daily on this process for several years now of every single action I take, I'm thinking towards where we're going to be six months to a year out. And it's been, it's an, I've lived most of my life in some capacity like that, but in the last couple of years, probably since 2019, it has been a absolute vigilant approach of how we're going to, what's going to happen each step and where we need to be in the next six months to a year. It's never too late to start that type of thinking, no matter where you sit on the spectrum. And the most important thing, though, that that begins with is understanding what that position, that direction you want to go in and clarifying that very truthfully with God. When I made out a business plan in 2018, I never imagined I would have arrived at the business plan as quickly as I did. But my business plan was built on five scriptures on the top and certain objectives of how I wanted to manage money as I move forward and what my tithing would look like at each level and certain commitments that I made to God along the way. That was my business plan. The the general theme of how I wanted to approach it. Everything from there, I've turned over to God, and it has been amazing to see what he's done. That's not exclusive to one person. That's a principle of how we have to approach this, and it centers itself, again, how we consider wealth. The world we're leaving or living in is accumulation. The world we're going to is unlimited prosperity based on trust. Those two things are very different. So wherever you sit, that would be my kind of closing thoughts on this, is reflect deeply on how you want to consider what you have, what direction you want to go, and then put a lot of that trust into God on how you're going to use it. But I will say this, there is a direct correlation to as we build out with the intent of helping others, the, the coffers of heaven do definitely open up. Patriots, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time we've come together and very humbly putting ourselves before you on a very difficult topic and for, for in many dimensions. It's the concept of dealing with the urgency of the moment and dealing with the what provisions we have in this world and how to deal with them the most the best to steward what we have and at the same time often caught with anxieties and concerns about a future this walk that we're on father is a difficult one it is one that challenges us each and every day because of the pressures that are constantly threatening our health our well-being, our way of life. There's just nothing that's stable other than our relationship with you. So we pray this evening for the many that can just seek and reach to you in the deepest and most intimate of ways, to really trust truly in you, to take a breath, to sit 
beautifully within that space that you create for each and every one of us to put our full trust in you and to listen carefully, to let go of our concerns of the material world, to be practical about what's before us, to deal with what we have that you've given us as provisions in the best possible way to look and be good stewards of that and to listen to your guidance as we move forward, as we work towards a true exodus from this crazy matrix that we seem to be walking within. Father, we pray for all, as many that can hear that message, to to resonate with that, to be comforted by the love that Christ can give us, by the love that you offer us, and to be able to walk comfortably in that space, knowing that as we trust in you, regardless of what our numbers are in our bank account balance, regardless of what our numbers are in our accounts of money or things, that in the end of the day, our true wealth rests with you. And as we do that, we will be able to move forward beautifully into this exodus, into a place where you are put first on all things. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So don't get wrapped up too much about accumulation. I think that's a big one. I think we forget. I didn't. I did not even mention tonight the concepts of tithing because that really wasn't the focus. But when we think about tithing and helping one another, that is another huge aspect of wealth, and that's worth probably another show. And maybe I'll touch on it tonight in, in Fishers. That that's a that's a really important principle of wealth is wealth that we that we have comes a lot from what we give, so let's not forget that piece at all. Um, tonight I was more fundamentally and functionally focused on the four hundred one k issue, which seems to come up a lot. So patriots, I hope that's been helpful. There's a lot ahead. There's a lot of changes and a lot of need for massive education, and. That's a constant issue, and there's a lot of evolving things. There's a constant research on how to get through the system and to try to um, try to navigate a way forward that's, that's going to separate us and give us back that direction of liberty and sovereignty. It's not an easy fight. The one thing I will tell you is there's lots of people working on this path. So it's not like you're alone, though sometimes it may feel that way, but you're not. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Keep your prayers up. God is there, and he's literally listening and guiding. Just all you have to do is reach and listen. God is with us. He will never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for such a time as this. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time. God bless, and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. 
We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made. Therefore, they can be solved by man. And man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push, we climb, we never give in, we become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray, we stand, we live by the words, in God we trust, we fear nothing, we are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs> 